0: Welcome to the Think Kingdom Podcast. We want to welcome you this week as we continue in our series, Beloved. Let's see what God's Word has for us from Lead Pastor Antoine Lassiter.
1: Sing to the Lord with thanksgiving and play the lyre to our God who covers the sky with clouds, prepares rain for the earth and causes grass to grow on the hills. He provides the animals with their food and the young ravens what they cry for. Now, it's important to know that ravens are considered dirty birds. And ravens, when they're able to fly, their mothers abandon them. And for the people of Jerusalem, the people of Israel, they would see ravens as a disgusting bird. And the psalmist is literally saying that he even cares for the disgusting birds. Verse number 10, he is not impressed by the strength of a horse. He does not value the power of a warrior. the horse's strength is in his legs. And, he, and, and because um, um, the horse has that much strength, you know, the scripture says, I can't remember it. Oh, come on, Bible readers. Uh, some trust in chariots and tr- some trust in horses. But I will trust in the name of the Lord. He uh, is not impressed by that strength. And here's where I think all of us going to shout. Hopefully. Y'all are suspect. Um, the Lord values those who fear him. Those who put their hope in his faithful love. The Lord does not value your strength. The Lord does not value your ability. The Lord values those who fear him. And those who put their hope In his faithful love, the Lord values those who fear him. Those who put their hope in his faithful love. God is more pleased with us when we trust him than what we do for him. This is who God values. Do you trust him? God, is not concerned what necessarily uh, doing for him doesn't mean that you are doing it with him because he values those who fear him and who put their hope in him. That is who the Lord values. He says, and so one of the reoccurring things, beloved, that we're going to unpack and we continue to unpack um, is I want you to say this with me. I am not what I do. I am not what I have. I am not what others say about me. Listen, beloved, I'm not even what I do for God. I want you to, man, I want, I really, really, really want you to breathe this in. Oftentimes uh, we start moving and doing for God without being with God. Beloved, the effectiveness of our lives or even our ministry comes from us abiding in His faithful love. The impact and the importance of our lives is abiding in His everlasting love. So when people break our hearts, I gotta abide in His love. Because what pleases the Lord? Fear, the fear of him. But that word fear is, um, in this context, means the reverential awe of God, a reverence for his power and his glory. We're supposed to be in awe and in, in obedience to him. It's, it's the fear of the Lord, it's the beginning of knowledge. Uh, in Proverbs 1 and 7, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. Beloved, is not being afraid of him like he's a tyrant, but it's actually being in awe of him like he's God. It's to lose our breath in worship because we look at our own fragility and know that there's no good thing in me, but he invites me in relationship to him. I dread the, I dread the day that we become more enamored with performances than we do the one that we're worshiping to. I, I dread the day that we become more enamored with the charisma of the, of the communicator or the pastor than who he is referring to. Beloved, you are loved by God. Now, for some, that, uh, some of us who are numb to our emotions, that's not necessarily a powerful truth because we've learned how to cut our emotions off. But when we understand that we are to live in reverence into the Lord in every area of our lives, Romans 8 and 38 becomes breath to us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life No angels, no rulers, no things present, no things to come, no powers, no height, no depth, uh, nor any other created thing will be able to separate separate us from the Lord of God that is in who? Christ Jesus. And, And so we are called to not only be loved by God, but to experience God's love for us in such in every area, say every area. All right, so let's name some areas. So just throw some areas of, of and, I, I, and I, I'll start off, all right? So work. I am supposed to live in awe and of fear and of reverence of the Lord, even in my work. Uh-oh. What are other areas? Call them out. Family. Yep, I'm supposed to live out the fear and the awe and the splendor of God's love for me, even in my... Yes, even in your family. What else? Finances. Ooh, you do not supposed to talk about money in church. What else? School, <clears throat> kids. That A is, is less about performance than us, being even as children, being stewards of giving our best in every area of our lives. What else? Oh, you mean you still don't know your neighbors? They get on your nerves. We're supposed to have the fear and reverence of God, even with that neighbor whose dog continues to... That's personal. Sorry. 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 Even in the neighborhoods, we're supposed to carry it with us. And and so the question that I ask myself at times is, how am I fearing the Lord in these areas? We're talking about all and obedience. Now, there are are a bunch of more categories. Uh, We could say uh, physical health. Man, y'all know I can't write anyway, and you're just going to have to, yeah. Um, And so we're looking at these categories. Uh, Beloved, how do I integrate the Lord into all of these spaces that, quite frankly, uh, I avoid? How do I become all that Christ has for me to become? Let me just break it down further. Can others see Jesus in you? Can, can others see Jesus in you? Here's one. Can others see Jesus in you on Facebook? Man, can I, not y'all, not y'all, but some that I lovingly pastor. I just to talk to Dion. I don't even know what they saved, cause because there are two different people. The one that sits there and that Twitter finger social media person and I don't know who to engage. So can others see Jesus in me? Not my pastor. Not my knowledge of scriptures. Certainly not how I vote. But can they see him In me. Who's they, pastor? I'm glad you asked. Anyone you come in contact with. Including, but not limited to, your enemies. Do they know that Jesus resides with you? Yeah, it's tight. But. You still beloved, even if there's not for the moment evidence that the Lord is present with you in these areas. Matthew chapter 27, verse 15 through 27. I got a long way to go and a long time to do it. Just kidding. At the festival, the governor's custom was to release the crowd, a prisoner they wanted. At that time, they had a notorious prisoner called Barabbas. So when they had gathered together, Pilate said to them, who is it you want me to release for you? Barabbas or Jesus, who is called Christ? For he knew it was because of envy that they had handed him over. While he was sitting on the judge's bench, his wife sent word to him, have nothing to do with that righteous man, for today I've suffered terribly in a dream because of him. The chief priests and the elders, however, persuaded the crowds to ask for Barabbas and to execute Jesus. The governor asked them, which of the two do you want me to release for you? Barabbas, they answered. Pilate asked him, what should I do with Jesus who is called Christ? And they all answered, crucify him. Then he said, why? What has he done wrong? But they kept shouting all the more, crucify him. When Pilate saw that he was getting nowhere, but that a riot was starting instead, he took some water, washed his hands in front of the crowd and said, I am innocent of this this man's blood. See to it yourselves. All the people answered, his blood be on us and on our children." Wow. Then he released Barabbas to them and having Jesus flogged, handed him over to be crucified. Now, Barabbas was an insurrectionist and a murderer. Sidebar, that was a bad man. Barabbas' crimes were worse than the other two thieves that were on a cross with Jesus. And Pilate figured because uh, as an act of good wishes, the occupying Romans would would, would would do something to sort of appease the crowd. And so they would have people that they would release um, as an act of goodwill. Um, and so when, Bar- when, when Pilate brought Barabbas into the fold, Pilate said to himself, there's no way in the world that they'll release this innocent man. I mean, this, this, this criminal for this innocent man. So he was... He was uh, calculating that because of Jesus' innocence, that they would not crucify Jesus. So that was a way of Pilate getting out of the responsibility of uh, uh, upsetting the people. Eh, Wrong. Because the people chose Barabbas. And Jesus replaced the worst possible person Barabbas was a murderer and an insurrectionist and was causing all types of problems. But they chose a murderer over Jesus. Beloved, I submit to you that in some areas of our lives, we choose Barabbas. It's tight. And so the funny thing about Barabbas is that when we compare, you know how we get, right? We, we compare what we do to other people. So I'm not that bad compared to... And then when you, when you read the Romans, when you read Romans and you read like, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Well, all includes all and excludes none. But what I realize is... And y'all going to have to give me some liberty because this is the only analogy that I could come up with. So y'all going to have to give me an You're just going to give me some freedom. We all work in a horse stall. Right? So some of us, we step in horse poop. And, you know, i just use me an example. So I'm doing the work in the horse stall and I actually fall in it. Some people do a great job not really stepping in it. And so here's the problem. The problem is, at the end of the day, we all smell like it. Whether I fell in it and it's all on me, whether you stepped in it and it's just on your shoes, whether you just stood by idly without touching anything, you still smell like it. So when you're talking about sin, we have this tendency to point to others and not ourselves. And judgment that we put on people is because we forget how we smell. So it's easier to point out to people their flaws while excusing yours. And so while we look at Barabbas and said he's the worst possible person ever, we're all in the horse stall. And the challenge is we are never called to compare ourselves to others. We are called to compare ourselves to Jesus. And when we compare ourselves to Jesus, we realize we miss the mark. So we don't have to judge sin. We just got to smell. Smell. And this smell, I'm telling you, man, the more I dive into this beloved, I'm realizing that part of my challenge, Natasha, is because I don't believe my poop stinks. So it's easier to smell others. They should be doing this and they should be doing this. They need to read more. They need to come to church more. They need to give more. They need to do all these things. And the reality of it is, and this is the brass tacks of it. We are so bent on doing that we never become. And becoming involves relationship with Jesus. And you can't legislate relationship. That's why we build so many programs into the church because we're trying to nurture relationships. And the reality of it is we have forgotten just how bad we smell. And this it's what sin does. Sin disrupts our fellowship with God. And stop, stop talking about these big sins when whether you're stepping in it or swimming in it, you still stink. And this is in spite, in spite us choosing Barabbas, Tiffany, and betraying him, he still loves us with our stinking selves. But pastor, what does this have to do? That's what Melody calls me. Melody says, pastor, pastor. So what does this have to do with me being beloved? I'm glad you asked. Because even though in certain areas in our lives where we choose Barabbas, he still chooses us. When I have not integrated him into my work, he still chooses me. When I haven't integrated him in my finances, he still chooses me. When I'm on walking contradiction, he still loves me. And, and that's the part that, that, that I tear up with. Because many of us bought into the lie that all of these supposed to be functioning at optimum level. And all of this is, 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 is the sign of Prosperity. But our lives contradict that. There are certain areas of my life where I'm experiencing brokenness. And then there are certain areas of my life I'm being blessed. And then there's are some areas of my life I'm seeing breakthrough. And they can coexist all at the same time. We can celebrate and lament. This is why we have missed just how much God loves us. Because when, I, when I'm so busy doing, I gotta get this together, I gotta get this together, I gotta get this together, because he doesn't love me and my family because I'm such a contradiction. No, beloved, he loves you. And even if I'm experiencing brokenness, simultaneously with being blessed, simultaneously with begging for breakthrough, he still loves me. And so you can see one area of my life and I'm thriving and there's the evidence that God's with me. But don't you fool yourself with my brokenness because that doesn't mean he left me. See, beloved, what God is doing for us and to us and with us is he's in this thing with us. And I, I want you to see that even though my children may not be responding the way I want them to, doesn't mean God ain't with me. And this beloved is knowing our worth in him. It's not about activity, it's about identity. And the biggest war that you're facing and fighting on a daily basis is the war against who he says you are. You are beloved. And so I don't make excuses for my brokenness. But I don't know, I don't avoid the reality of it either. Man, there's there's some areas of my life that I'm like, man, God, we doing it. Yo, we're killing the game. And then there's other areas of my life, shh, 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 don't say nothing. Cause it stinks. And so I can be blessed and broken and remain his beloved. Man, that's, man. Uh, Brokenness. See, true brokenness leads to humility. See, when we're broken, all bets are off because what we realize is we can't save ourselves. So brokenness is that survival mentality. Look, Pastor, real talk. It's good if I just get up in the morning. Yeah, that's where you are now. Ain't no shame because for all of us, we're in, different, we're in different walks in this journey. But can I just reveal some a truth that you already know? And this is bad English. Ain't nobody got it all together. Can we just look? Okay, I know we all got this Sunday mask. I get it. Real talk, man, there are times when uh, Tanya and I, we're floating on, we're, we're, we're walking on sunshine. That woman loves me and I love that woman. But then there are times I could tell the way she looked at me, man, I could cut you dead. Now, so in our relationship, two worlds can exist. We know on Facebook, most of us put our highlights. Uh, But we have this, we understand remotely that everyone is wearing a mask and everyone promotes their highlight film. But yet the most threatening, this is Antoine talking, the most threatening aspects of some of the relationships with the men that I'm walking with closely with is my authenticity threatens them because they're so used to people being fake that he, there's no way he means what he says. There's no way that he's living his life like this. What, what does he want from me? And their brokenness is so evident that the more real I get, that they have to tell themselves, there's no way I can be that real. And so they rather cut off the relationship and go back into hiding than to live life authentically free. Because that's what we've been conditioned to do. And so you have to be careful that you don't project your brokenness onto others as if how you handle it is the way. Because that's fundamentalist one-on-one. You can't drink, you should never drink. And, And all of a sudden now, nobody can drink. And that's what we do. So I project my struggles and, and how I deal with them onto you. You shouldn't be doing that. Well, bruh, you eating like nobody's business. Well, that's different. I got a condition. <laughs> so we become the self-righteous person because, and then, okay, that's brokenness. Let me deal with blessed because man man, man. Scripture says in John chapter 10, I've come that you may have life and have it more abundantly. And so here's what we do when we say I'm blessed. We point to what we have. And that's not what that meant. What are we doing? We messing this up. So you mean to tell me the evidence of you being of you being blessed by God is what you have and we just established the fact that I am not what I have. So why do you keep going for stuff that you don't? Could it be beloved, could it be beloved that we have settled for counterfeit? We no longer have to put, we, we, I, I want you to hear this. We no longer have to perform circus tricks for God. We no longer, bigger issue, we no longer have to, to, to perform circus tricks for man. And here, let me just free you from this. Stop manufacturing your prosperity and calling it God. What are we doing? Your 850 credit score got that. What? Now I get, now let me bring some balance to that. You were a great steward. Yes, but i I'm, I'm, okay, shut up, man. I'm talking to myself prosperity isn't thriving in all areas of your life all at the same time. It's God thriving in you. So if I have this stuff, he has my heart. If I don't have this stuff, he has my heart. Beloved, you are not what you have. We keep settling for counterfeit versions of prosperity. You know, the surface measurable goals. This leads to a theology, a view of God based on Western philosophies. White supremacy, identity or Americana, the American dream, the house. We got more people riddled in debt, claiming prosperity and then can't, can't afford it. And staying up at night trying to keep it. Because others have heard your testimony that this, this is the Lord's doing. But I thought the scripture says, the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow. You placed your hands to it, made it happen, and attributed it to God. And then if that prosperity is God's hand on your life, well, what does it mean when you lose it? And this is the counterfeit that we're settling for. We got people working literally themselves to death and can't enjoy all they accumulated because their identity is in what they have. Trusting God in it or with it is prosperity. My health, my family, my work, my play. And then we have breakthrough. But there's areas of my life I'm trying I'm trying to break through. I'm trying to, I'm trying to I'm trying to bring together a funny story. I was talking to someone and they said, uh, pastor, I got a double cheeseburger too." i was like, "What?" They like, remember in your message. You said you got a double cheeseburger following you. I was like, "Oh, oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. I got one too." And I said, "Brother, we all got double cheeseburgers following us." And you know the context, I don't know what's happening in your life that you're tempted to do all the time. And for me, it's a double cheeseburger. Actually, it's a bacon double cheeseburger. And what I realize is that there's something uh, that if you're not careful, you will succumb to those temptations because your, your, your identity is anchored in it. And the only way you can break free from those things that are easily beset you is that you have to be anchored in something greater, not only than yourself, but what that is. Newsflash, parents, um, your children are going to leave your household. So if you anchor your whole existence on them. Listen, you make good money. You You make real good money. Come holler at me. But if you base your identity on that job, what happens when you lose it? Look, I'm gonna tell you the biggest, the biggest challenge I had when I graduated from um, college. I thought the job was gonna chase me down. I was like this, here I am. It took me five and a half years, but here I am. And when everything started falling apart, Tiffany, and I had to do that entry level job that nobody liked, that paid me just enough to pay rent. My whole identity was cause I bought into the lie. You go to school, you get a great job and blah, blah, blah. And there's some merit to that. So don't jump, don't drop out of school, guys. <laughs> I gotta remember, I got a teenage son. So when I say stuff, he's gonna be like, yes, I ain't doing this no more. No, that's. <laughs> No, context, my friend, context. The point is that if we are teaching our children, teaching ourselves and living that we must live with the realization that identity is more important than activity, who or what are you anchored to? And when my identity is anchored in what I do, what I have and what others say about me, activity becomes central. So you go on vacations with your family and you don't even enjoy it and you post all the pictures on Facebook so everybody can see a wonderful representation of your family vacation and y'all didn't talk the whole time. But it's important that we see that you're enjoying life even privately, you're suffering. Beloved, you don't have to whom the sun sets free. I want a church who's free. Yes. We ain't got to put on this facade like we have everything together. Sometimes the biggest gift that you can give me, me too, pastor, me too. I got problems, me too. Yes, we all got them. And so when my identity is anchored in other things that I only feel accomplished, when I get validation from those things. Who I am or what I do determines if I'm lovable. That's a lie. Beloved, you are lovable because he says you are. And so for us, if we're, if we're living in a pair of life, applause from others determine affection praise from people determine my value and attaboys determine my progress but when our identity is anchored in Christ we not only have a proper view of ourselves but also the world but it's like Dr. Strange and the the multiverse of madness we're just different people depending on what universes that we have it's funny when this person, the people in here, meet the people in here. Y'all like variants. Your family look at you like, I didn't know dad was that nice. Wow. And, and well, beloved, we should, we should desire to be the same. Uh, let me just say this. I'm in trouble now. Might as well go all the way in. Look, you can't preach past your pain. You got to deal with it. You can't even pray past it. You got to deal with it. And that's why we have people in ministry that the families don't even like them. Because it's easier to be somebody different from a distance. But man, when you get close, it'll look different. I ain't gonna go deeper. So what, I, what can I accomplish in this universe? the multiverse, and everything that we touch ain't nothing but madness. And he says we're the beloved. I, I heard this, I heard this, I went on a retreat um, a couple of days ago, and, I, and, and, and Brian Upshaw said this, he said, uh, there's nothing worse than a, uh, an oil tanker, the, the tanker, the, the, fuel, the fuel trucks, they put gas in the uh, gas stations, the fuel trucks, it's nothing worse than a fuel tanker on the side of the road that ran out of gas. <laughs> it ain't nothing worse than that. I start realizing that it ain't nothing worse than an empty Christian. Got access to the Father through Christ Jesus. Got access to His Word. Got the community of saints, and desiring daily to live empty. Nothing worse, nothing worse. How do I know if I'm winning in life? It's because you made the money. It's because now you're able to take every vacation that you've, you've dreamed about. Now you've been able to fit in clothes <laughs> that you only could imagine in high school. I told somebody I came out, I was born at 180. All right, anyway what does having abundant life mean? Does it mean more money? Family comfort? Having a house that I want? Beloved, what is abundant life? I submit to you, is wholeness. This journey that all of us are on is a journey of unlearning, and learning, and that's what makes it so hard because we have to unlearn so much of what we were taught. And look, before you, stop, before you start blaming your parents, okay? Somebody's about to send their mom a text message. Listen, maybe they did the best they could, and then when our children leave the house, and look back and they have to unlearn some of the stuff that we taught them. And then it's like, man, and then when they have their own children, we have to unlearn and learn. Psalms 119, your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. The word is a lamp unto my feet, a place of discovery and a place of determining where exactly I am. Sometimes when the light comes on, I feel like I've made tremendous progress. And other times I feel like I'm standing still. See, wisdom comes from following God's instructions. And these, verse, these verses highlight the importance of not only hearing God's word, but living according to his word. But in order to live life according to God's will, we first have to know how he has called us to live. And so I believe that all of this thriving or having a blessed life or what we refer to as spiritual maturity, spiritual maturity is not about how well we are doing or feeling, but about going to God despite how we are doing or feeling. So there are times when this is broken, but this is blessed. And this is what I'm praying for breakthrough. Sometimes in a community, you're the rock star. You're the person of peace in that community. Your money's good. But your health, spiritual maturity is taking it all to God. Whether I'm Thriving or barely surviving. Spiritual maturity is taking it all to God. Because life is filled with chapters of discomfort, pages of pain, and sometimes there's victory sandwiched in between. But God hasn't given up on us because we're living in survival mode, God hasn't given up on you because you feel broken. These are the rhythms. These rhythms are a part of life. We are blessed in one area, broken in another, and seeking a breakthrough in another. As I mentioned before, there are periods in my life where I'm both celebrating some things that are happening and then lamenting at the same time. And sometimes I feel bad about celebrating while people close to me are lamenting. And I struggle with that tension because how can I enjoy this fully knowing you're, you're hurting? Can I acknowledge my reality and still go to God? You could be blessed, broken, and believe in God for breakthrough. So beloved, we have to bring God into our reality. Better yet, take our reality to God. beloved. Cry when you need to. Beloved, rejoice when you can. Beloved, cry out in times of despair. He hears you. Beloved, give yourself permission to celebrate and lament. In seasons where you feel more broken than blessed, it doesn't change your relationship status. You beloved. Being blessed doesn't mean hard or even hateful days don't exist. It simply means that our hope is in Christ Jesus.
0: That was Pastor Antoine continuing in our series, Beloved. If you are blessed by anything you heard in today's podcast and you feel led to give, feel free to text the word GIVE to 704-741-3705. If you are in Charlotte or surrounding areas, come on by and visit us at 465 South Cannon Boulevard in Kenneapolis, North Carolina, Sundays at 1033. You can also join us online Sundays at 1033 on Facebook and YouTube. Be sure to subscribe to us and be sure to check us out on Instagram under Think Kingdom. As always, you can go back and hear this message and so many more right here on our Think Kingdom podcast.